Welcome to the Innovation Engine Podcast. I'm Will Sherlin, and on this week's episode, we'll be talking about where companies should look to make hay in the burgeoning wearable space, some of the most exciting hacks that came out of the recent MoDev conference titled Wearables and Things, and what attendees to the upcoming MoDevCon can expect to hear about. Here with us today to discuss those topics and more is Pete Erickson, CEO and founder of Modev and Disruptathon. Modev is the premier provider of technology conferences in the greater DC area. Their upcoming ModevCon event, formerly known as Modev East, will take place on December 11th and 12th at Artisphere in Arlington, Virginia. The first Wearables and Things conference was held in October of this year, and Modev UX is another one of the annual events put on by Pete and his team at Modev. Welcome to the podcast, Pete. Hey, great to be here. All right, so so Pete is with us here in studio today, and let's kick things off talking about Modev itself. So for anyone listening that may not be aware of Modev's mission, Pete, how long has it been around and what is its mission? So Modev has been around effectively for six years. Uh, in December 2008, I started a meetup group called the Washington iPhone, Android, and Smartphone Developers Group. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was looking for developers to collaborate with, and there was no place to find them. Uh, So I started a meetup group in hopes of meeting other folks that were uh, in the mobile developer space, and that's what kicked off Modev. Okay, and you've you've come a long way since, uh, put on huge conferences in the area for for UX designers, product managers, developers, and this year has been a first of sorts for Modev. You held the first Wearables and Things conference in October which I touched on a little bit in the introduction. What were some of the things you saw or heard about during that conference that excited you most? Well, let me uh, go back to your first question. Um, you asked about our mission, and I really yep. didn't answer that question. So let me real quickly just say, really, Modev's mission is to connect people uh, with each other in the ideas uh, that, that are going to help them be successful in the areas of mobile development and the things that touch mobile development. Mm-hmm. So that's pure development, user experience, design, as you mentioned. And through that evolution, we really try to stay at the forefront of like what's happening in the industry. Clearly, wearables and things has been a part of the discussion for about the past three years, and, and we decided that it was time in earnest to really address it with mm-hmm. the Wearables and Things Conference. Okay, uh, That was a really fun idea, and I'm really glad we did that. We're definitely going to be doing that conference again. We had folks from all over the world attend this conference, more than 700 attendees. Um, you know, the sponsors included Sony and Intel and Amazon, Microsoft and Capital One. A great slate of companies uh, came mm-hmm. around the event. And, uh, you know, we saw everything. We, we really didn't want to drive the content too hard. We wanted to see what we got. And that was cool because we saw interesting things happening across both consumer and enterprise markets. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, the content reflected that, and I think everybody in our post-event feedback um, surveys, you know, had a very good time, learned a lot, and, uh, you know, gave us great feedback and ideas for the, the future conferences. Yeah, so you were sharing a, a text before we started with uh, with someone from Mashery who said that the hackathon you hosted was one of the best they've seen. Uh, what's the idea that ended up winning the hackathon? Or there were several, it sounds like, that were kind of awarded prizes. Can you talk a little bit about what you saw at the hackathon there? Yeah, and it was a, it was a really fun hackathon to do uh, for a couple reasons. Sony actually brought prototype products where developers had to sign a non-disclosure and go into a separate room to code on them. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually never even saw the product. 
but there were uh, the product was a, a, a new released version of their of their glasses, which their glasses are different from like Google Glass, where it's you you see the object in both through both lenses. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the hackathon uh, also introduced a lot of really great just common everyday applications. For example, you know one of them was a a metro application where you could set your uh, the stop you're supposed to get off at, you could track when you were at each stop using iBeacons, mm-hmm. and you'd get an alert and a reminder when you're supposed to get off. You know, the, We've all been on metro systems where we don't know them well in foreign countries and other places. It would be really nice to have an application to tell you exactly you know, where you need to go and when to get off. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a really good you know, use, of, use case of, uh, of how IoT can impact and improve our lives. There were 25 total hacks. It was a really fun day. And, uh, you know, as you as you said, Intel Mashery, they said this was one of their best hackathons of the year that even was was more effective for them than a hackathon that had 700 people at it. And I think that's just attributed to the fact that we really target an intermediate to advanced uh, developer audience for our events. Uh, so, you know, if, if we have 75 or 80 people at a hackathon, they're going to be very productive uh, that day. Yeah. Um, and, and I love what you said about the, uh, about the Metro app because I take it pretty much every day. Um, it, and it seems like the world around us is about to get really smart. That's kind of the, the future, I guess, that I see or the opportunity for applications that are enabled by the Internet of Things. I mean, we certainly have – our phones are plenty smart right now, but there's certainly a limit to, to really how much they can improve their lives without you giving some kind of input. Is that – do you see that on the horizon yeah, I think that's going to be – that's why IoT is going to be so big is, you know, it's sort of the I, – I, I think about it. It's, it's the, you know, it's the marriage of the physical and digital world, and uh, sometimes I've, I've referred to it as kind of physical applications. But it's, it is where things around us um, start emitting data that our phones can then digest and, and through applications uh, make it easier for us to interact with the world. Easy ways to think about it is like the smart home, you know, turning lights on and off. But but it gets even more interesting when you, maybe you're interacting with things that you're not necessarily, you know, aren't necessarily your home. If you're going through a shopping mall or through an airport or, you know, what have you, or using public transportation, right. um, you know, the world is getting smarter. And then these types of applications are going to have great impacts on our manufacturing sectors, our retail sectors, our healthcare sectors. And that's why you're seeing this a really big move by a lot of big companies into the IoT space. You know, Intel and Cisco, Microsoft, Dell, you know, others are, are making big moves and making big claims uh, to this space because not only because they have to, but because certainly that's where the future is. Yeah. So so let me ask you about your personal experience with wearables. So we talked before the podcast started about your Pebble watch, yep. which you sung the praises of. Yep. Other experience with wearables or other wearables that you own? Well, I've had uh, I've had an, uh, the Jawbone up, mm-hmm. um, and I would like a lot of users. I used it quite a bit for a few months, and then stopped using it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no no real reason other than you know I, I I run a lot, and I just felt like I didn't need it. I track my run through a smartphone app, you know. But I would I would also say that in in defense of, of Jawbone and up, I mean it's been awesome to see a lot of people really take hold of fitness devices and seeing how lives transform. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, my personal experience is people around me that I've seen lose a lot of weight and, uh, you know, really transform their lives through the quantified self. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I myself, I've got, you know, I've got the Pebble watch. I really do like it. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's a cool watch. You know, it's not a touch interface. The, 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 the interface is on the 
the buttons on the side. I kind of like that um, sort of their pushback on the touch interface on the watch, watch and a little bit more, you know, kind of traditional smartwatch um, uh, approach. But, um, you know, I think as time goes on, I'm certainly going to probably start, you know, incorporating other wearables into my life at some point. I'm, I wear glasses, and I can imagine definitely getting a pair of smart glasses someday that you know, don't look like smart glasses, but they probably have some functionality that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, and I also look forward to our to seeing more, you know, devices come out of, uh, of our future events. Yeah, definitely. So, so let me ask you about the upcoming ModevCon conference. It's going to be on December 11th and 12th in Arlington, Virginia at Artisphere. For listeners that may be interested in attending one day but not both, uh, which days are appropriate for which audiences? So the first day of the conference, uh, Thursday the 11th, is all workshops. So if you want to go, you know, get, get a good deep dive workshop, you know, in iOS or Android, or, you know, there's a lot of different subjects on the table, UX, user experience, um, a lot of, uh, you know, data, data-driven data type workshops. If you just want to get in and, and get some good workshop time and session time, day one is definitely the day for you. Mm-hmm. Day two uh, is a mix of both. We have our keynotes. We've got Skip Potter from uh, Capital One. Mm-hmm. We've got Andy Glover from Netflix. So, you know, our, our, our bookend keynotes are big companies doing big things. Yep. And then we've got a mix of some uh, afternoon breakouts as well. So a lot of good, good breakouts. So day two is nice mix of our keynotes and our panels uh, with some breakouts. And then our closing reception. Day one, we have a nice opening reception sponsored by Agilex, which is going to be a lot of fun uh, after the event. And then uh, day two, our closing reception is actually going to also dovetail with the Modev holiday a bash uh, at, at Artisphere, and that's going to be a lot of fun. So both days, you know, have um, have great content. Of course, you know, the two-day pass is available for the folks that want to come and, and, and get a piece of both days. But uh, day one, if you want to go deep uh, on, uh, on one of the workshops, and, and we've got some amazing workshop instructors that are coming, uh, including Matt Thompson, you know, well-renowned iOS expert. We've got uh, Max Furtman. Uh, he's written, you know, a lot of the great books on um, on Java, and he's going to be, you know, giving his deep dive workshops as well, and uh, and several others. Okay, great. And and let me uh, let me ask you a question that's a little bit off script from what we talked about before, and, and may feel very 2011. But there was an article in the the Wall Street Journal that I want to ask you about, and especially with Modevcon having its roots in the mobile development space, and it basically said that that uh, the walled garden of apps is winning out over the web. And that, you know, eventually everything is moving in the direction of apps. So, again, not to sound 2011 and have the, the native versus mm-hmm. HTML5 debate. Mm-hmm. But if we're talking about the development platforms of tomorrow, from your chair, do you think do you think the web is something that is, quote-unquote, dying and losing out to apps? Well, it's a great question. I would say that in certain aspects, yes, but in other aspects, no. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that there definitely is a big move for a lot of companies going big on native. Mm-hmm. You know, they realize that if they can get a customer in and own that customer experience and upsell them and sell them products and and uh, and it really kind of, you know, own that experience, there's a big advantage. But, you know, conversely, companies are understanding that within their wealth garden, like, you know, discovery and search is really limited. So you know, a lot of companies, publishers especially, people that are content-rich, you know, they need to be able to expose that content and index that content so that it's searchable. So, 
you know, the mobile web is definitely not going anywhere um, because it's it's important with regards to its importance with regards to you know search and and discovery. Mm-hmm. But um, but certainly, I think going big on native is is a theme now that I'm seeing, and I think that you know, Capital One. And what they're doing with some of their apps and the investments they've made this year on going big on native, mm-hmm. um, we're going to hear that reflected in Skip's talk. You know, Netflix is certainly probably going to talk about the speed of the, the need, you know, the need for speed and velocity. Mm-hmm. Um, Andy Glover is going to talk about velocity as the killer app. Well, you know, you can tr- you can control a lot within a native environment, and I think that you know that's certainly something for a lot of people to consider. The internet's not going anywhere, but the fact that we can con- control and experience within the application is going to have an impact on on the futures of a lot of uh, organizations and users. So let me get back to ModevCon and ask about some of the titles because there are some amazing ones for this year's event. They include One Small Container, A Giant Leap for Developer Testing, My Personal Favorite, Push It Real Good, How to Prepare for the Web Push Notification and Mobile Messaging Future, and Dramatic intro music, building with beacons. So when you and the Modev team are deciding what talks get chosen for a for a Modev conference, how important is having a good name? <laughs> yeah, I tell you what, having a good name is really important. Uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, we it's not necessarily how we how we pick a talk and and to let people know a little bit about our process. So we, you know, we select a um, an evaluation committee that's kind of uh, representative across across industry you know, both sponsors, prior attendees, other folks to evaluate um, uh, talks. We get hundreds of proposals and we have to evaluate them all and, and, and score them so that we can, you know, get down to, you know, our finalists. But, you know, it's like a lot of things, a good catchy title really helps. I mean, it sets the stage for what I'm going to read when I read your abstract. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's it's like titling anything else. I mean, it, it really helps to have something. And, and in and in conferences, having a title that's a little tongue in cheek and is is a really great idea. And and it and you know time and time again those those talks tend to be the ones to get the get the attention over ones that are just more you know maybe mundane. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd say to anybody out there, if you're submitting talks for conferences, keep it fun and light. Um, come up with something that's uh, maybe a bit ironic, and uh, I think you're going to do well. Nice. Okay. Yeah. References obviously to uh, man landing on the moon, a little salt and pepper shout out. And uh, I don't know exactly what the dramatic intro music uh, reference would be, but, but sure we like it. And obviously everybody knows what that is. So, so let me ask you about, uh, about Modev's presence beyond the Nova DC MD area. You held your first event out on the West coast Modev tablet, uh, which was in Seattle, your hometown. Do you have plans for additional events out west or uh, in other parts of the country? Uh, short answer, yes, absolutely. You know, doing Modev Tablet out in Seattle, we learned a lot of things. We put the conference in Seattle because that is my old, old hometown, but we also did it in mid-August, which um, we thought would be a great idea because it would get you know people to Seattle in August, which is a great time to be there, which was true. But also mid-August is so beautiful that people that are in Seattle don't want to be indoors. They don't, they, you know, they don't want to be at a conference in, yeah. in August. And so, um, you know, we ended up having a good audience, um, but it wasn't the audience that, you know, that I was hoping for. 
And, uh, you know, we, we do these things and we learn from every conference. So uh, Seattle in, in January, right? In- Seattle, in, Seattle in some other time of year <laughs> that, where you know you're going to be indoors drinking coffee. <laughs> you know, November, December, definitely. Uh, you yeah. know, probably, probably any time before May, you're going to be fine. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, you know, and, and yes, we, you know, for, for our wearables and things conference, we're definitely looking at other markets. Um, we've had, we, we actually had inquiries from, you know, other economic development bodies from from other states and uh, even even from London we've we've had interest in that conference so you know we we have to evaluate evaluate everything um, and uh, you know we've we've definitely been involved in you know we've been involved in CES the last two years out in Las Vegas uh, we've been involved with CTIA and their conferences we were just out at super mobility week in um, in in Las Vegas in in September um, and uh, so yes, we definitely want to get involved. We have chapters in other markets, but I think that you know this is our flagship. We like to bring people to DC. This is a mm-hmm. great place to come for events, and uh, you know we we think it's a great market and, and it is our home market. So it's easy for us easier for us to put put events on here. Yeah. But we definitely are looking to expand uh, to other markets, and it's always just a, a matter of you know trying to find the right time and. Uh, and the right location, and and uh, you know, so so we can execute. But probably won't be doing events in August in Seattle. <laughs> okay, great. And and plans for 2015. I know there is talk of a uh, of a new conference that will be officially unveiled at ModevCon. But you mentioned that you wouldn't mind sharing it ahead of time. No, absolutely. We've been um, we've done actually a couple events uh, through meetups um, called Product Management: A New Era, and really. You know, we identified that there's a huge demand for product managers. There's a huge, huge demand for understanding how mobile has impacted product management, uh, and uh, we've been successful in in partnering with Capital One on a on a um, initial sponsorship to put on this new uh, product management in uh, in a new era conference. Right now, the working title is PMCon. It's going to take place May 18th and 19th. Uh, we may we're coming up with some some branding ideas around the conference, but. Uh, but look for that conference to launch. Um, uh, we will be launching it in earnest with a website and a call for proposals at uh, at PMCon. Uh, we're really excited about it. We think uh, the product management field has been a little bit neglected in um, you know in terms of pr- probably for good reason. You know the, the the peer development fields and the UX and the UI fields have gotten a lot of attention, and they need that. There's uh, so so much happening there. So much happening there, and and our our Modev UX conference is going to. Um, take place March 23rd, 24th in uh, 2015. We're really looking forward to that. But product management, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a big area, and there's a real shortage of product managers. Um, and we think that uh, facilitating a conference and a discussion around product management is timely, and, um, and we're looking forward to it. Very nice. So, so um, you've spoken at a few events for 1776, which is basically, if I understand it correctly, kind of a startup incubator slash... Uh, organization that pairs startups with well-established companies that may have projects that are looking for startups to, to work with. So if I didn't steal all of your thunder there, or if that's incorrect, can you talk a little bit about 1776 and how listeners might be able to get involved with it? Well, 1776 DC is a, um, it's an organization that, you know, dedicates their time to, you know, really facilitating and fostering uh, startups in the startup economy. And, you know they've done a really good job of that. They've got a campus that's downtown um, at on Fifteenth, I think it's Fifteenth uh, and L, close to Fifteenth and L, 
and you know, every day there are companies that work there on site. Uh, General Assembly, the um, the teaching organization, has classrooms there, and they and they also are host to third party events. So, you know, the event year, the, the the most recent um, speaking engagement I had was a panel put on by the telecom hub that that was at seventy seventy six uh, on the disruption of the telecom space. And, uh, you know, I would say that if people want to get involved with 1776 uh, DC, they put on, uh, they host a lot of great events. So you can definitely attend a third party event. You can go, I think there's a waiting list to get in there with regards to a co-working space. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then the Challenge Cup is something that they host as well. And that's coming up and that's, uh, that's a, a global competition for the best startup. in I think the sectors are healthcare, uh, education. And clean energy. I think there are three three sectors. I may have those right, or may have them wrong. But uh, <laughs> you know, so uh, a great organization in DC, and a lot of people want to emulate that model of being a um, uh, a destination location for all things uh, you know startup uh, related. Um, and uh, you know, hats off to them for doing a great job. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, how much have you seen Pete, the DC tech scene change in the last call it since you started Modev uh, in two thousand eight? You know, it's it's uh, Smart Things I think was acquired by Samsung a little bit ago. Uh, yeah, it, it seems like there is never a shortage of startups. How often do you sit back and think, man, there's some companies here doing some seriously cool things, and I played a big part in that. Well. Um or maybe it's, maybe leave off the last part because I know you're a humble guy. <laughs> it's been really fun to watch uh, the DC tech scene. So um, I should add that I moved out here seven years ago from Seattle. Uh, I was part of the startup community in Seattle. Was part of three different startups over the previous twelve years, um, and knew I wanted to get involved at the community level. And Modev was really the vehicle for me to do that. Um, and you know, the D.C. tech scene, I, it's been just really fun to watch it sort of evolve over the last seven years and, and also to kind of play a role in that. Um, I think what we've seen is, you know, D.C. has always had a tech scene, but it was kind of, I would say, buried within the kind of the integrator space. And D.C. DC tech as a commercial sector really started to take hold. And... Um, and you know today it's 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 being recognized now as as really kind of one of the you know up and coming tech sectors across the country, and we've seen a lot of different areas where there's been you know tremendous amount of growth and then exits uh, out of out of the market. We've we've also seen a lot of companies start here, start in the D.C. area, and then and then go out west and and flourish as well. So. Um, but I think what's happening today is you're seeing a lot of investment in the D.C. technology uh, sector, really not just within the district, but, you know, uh, D.C., Virginia, Maryland, investments by the various uh, economic development arms uh, around, whether it's Arlington County, uh, Fairfax County, uh, Maryland. Um, and it's, it's, it's all feeding on itself. And, you know, today I think that the D.C. tech scene is – is alive and well across several sectors. I'd say that, you know, if it, it I'd say that if, if San Francisco, you know, it can, could lay claim to a particular sector, it's probably the con- consumer, social, tech, um, you know, uh, tech sector. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the, you know, consumer level technologies grow out of there. What, right. What's interesting about DC is there's a lot of um, enterprise level, a lot of um, a lot of design related companies. Um, 
and UX-related companies growing here. A lot of thought leadership around products and product development is happening uh, right here in D.C. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and and you mentioned some of the some of the kind of uh, I guess government or county entities that have invested a lot. There's also Revolution Ventures, which is uh, Steve Case and Ted Leonsis's. Absolutely. Uh, NEA, I want to say, is a big investor locally. Well, you've got yeah, you got several several firms locally that invest. You mentioned Revolution and NEA. You've got um, then you've got the Crystal Tech Fund that started out in uh, in Crystal City and Disrupted Corp. Uh, that's Paul Singh and his group, and they've done a great job of, of sort of like really putting Crystal City on the map with regards to the uh, to the, the startup and investment ecosystem. And uh, you know, then there's a lot of other lot of other shops, uh, Core Capital, Valhalla Partners, uh, Columbia Capital. You know, they're all investing on a regular basis uh, in our local markets, and we've seen, you know, a lot of companies um, hit the radar screen uh, over the last year. Um, you've got. Um, well, Social Radar was a great startup. They raised, mm-hmm. you know, I think eleven and a half or twelve million dollars, um, and uh, and then I'm spacing on the other one that I was going to mention, but uh, it'll come back to me in a moment. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, we uh, we we know some of those folks well because we get the opportunity to work with a few of them here and there. So uh, so definitely, Ever Everfy is one that's over in Georgetown. Uh, Personal.com is one that I think has been uh, venture-backed here and is also over in Georgetown or, or were at least a while ago. Uh, okay, so anyway, moving on, Pete, let's talk about you one more time. You're a self-starter and an entrepreneur. What advice would you have for any listeners out there that may be looking out onto the startup precipice and pondering whether or not to take the leap and start up their own company? Well, my, my, my first bit of advice is, by all means, go for it. I mean, I think that, um, you know, nothing... You know, there's no danger in trying something and failing. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, the only thing that's probably going to come out of it is is another idea or an you know evolution on that idea to succeed. I would say that um, you know some some of the kind of big areas of advice I would give is you know don't try to raise money too early. Um, try through you know through lean methodologies, a great methodology to follow to try to test your ideas as quickly as possible and as cheap as possible. So, you know, if you've got an idea for an app, maybe try it as a website first and get some of the kind of the basics of, of what your app may be because um, developing an app from scratch is, is quite expensive and, and time-consuming. Mm-hmm. But maybe try to do something to test your, test your, your theories uh, early. Um, get traction and then go uh, to raise money. So, you know, test your idea. And, you know, be open to negative um, feedback. Uh, listen to it. A lot of times, you know, I, I watch a lot of uh, entrepreneurs get very emotionally wrapped up in their ideas and where I can just kind of see that, you know, they're probably going into a market that's maybe saturated. Um, other people have been there, but they, they want so desperately to, to be there. You know, be open to, be open to feedback and, and that, you know, maybe the idea is not perfect um, in, its, in its current form. Be willing to change, willing to adapt, uh, and you know another thing is it's it you know a lot of times you have to moonlight to get your ideas off the ground, but as soon as you possibly can, dedicate yourself to it full time because that's mm-hmm. gonna it's gonna need you know any entrepreneurship effort is gonna need the full time your full time energy in order to be a success. It's really hard to start things sort of on the side, right? Um, so do what you can to put yourself in a position to, you know, to jump in full time. Uh, and then I think there's, you know, there's a lot of good opportunities for, 
for incubation. I mentioned, you know, Paul Paul Singh's group. There's there's the um, uh, there's the Acela Prize uh, downtown DC, which is another kind of incubator. Um, and there are there are others in town that where you you know you can go and and they'll take a you know twenty percent or thirty percent stake in your company, give you a place to work, give you you know a little bit of cash so you can eat mm-hmm. uh, while you're doing this. You know, right. give yourself that six months of runway that you need in order to see if you you can be a success. I definitely recommend you know looking at those um, types of relationships uh, to help you get off the ground. Okay, great. And uh, we asked two more questions, and then we'll get you out of here, Pete. Know that you're a busy guy. We're getting toward the end of the year, and I think it's safe to say we'll see the usual spate of 2015 predictions coming out. So if I asked you to look deep into your crystal ball and pick one or two technologies or applications of technology that you think will make a big splash in 2015, what would they be? Well, it's interesting. I'd say 2014 was kind of the year of the wearable, right? Um, and I think that there's been a lot of talk about 3D printing, but you know, I think about uh, I think 3D printing might start to have more and more of an impact on us commercially mm-hmm. uh, in 2015. Uh, I think I saw an article with it kind of it's the sort of the third dimension of apps. Um, so I think that that could um, really start to take hold. Um, people are starting to be able to buy 3D printers now for their for their for their homes, mm-hmm. and so um, look for look for 3D printing to start to play more of a role in in our daily lives in uh, in 2015. Um, outside of that, I think other um, you know I think glass you know Google Glass came in 2013. I think that um, you know we've seen. Uh, it's kind of what what happened with glass just from a standpoint of like it really brought up a lot of privacy concerns and and things like that however I think that um, that glass wearables will will be pretty big from a from a commercial standpoint uh, and the uses of glass uh, in you know in medicine and in manufacturing and retail and other places where you know where people work mm-hmm. um, so I said those are those are two areas I think that are going to be you know growth areas in in 2015, and then look for look for things like hearables and other other interfaces to our to our smart devices. Okay, great. And and last question is about your partner in crime over at Modev. His name is Jamie Walking Bear. Anybody who's been fortunate enough to be involved with any of the Modev conferences uh, knows that Jamie is fantastic. But I want to ask you a question that I've never had the gumption to ask him. Where does the last name Walking Bear come from for, for your good friend and partner in crime, Jamie Walking Bear? Yeah, well, let me just first just say, you know, hats off to Jamie. He was, um, he's been an amazing hire for us. Um, you know, when I, when I set out uh, to build Modev, I, you know, one of the people I admire a lot is Tim O'Reilly at, over at O'Reilly Media. And, um, you know, Jamie and I, through the years, struck up a, struck up a friendship uh, through his work at O'Reilly. And, uh you know, so I was lucky enough to actually hire him as like my first big hire. Um, and uh, kudos, yeah. You know, he he was he was instrumental in, in helping O'Reilly build you know some of their better conferences over there, and, and he's been instrumental to us at Modev. He does have a great name, Jamie Walking Bear, very recognizable, and it's a name he actually um, adopted for himself, or I think he and his wife did it together when they got married uh, 20 years ago. Um, he. You know, he wanted to change his name to, to to reflect more about who he is. He's he's really a, a guy of the earth and uh, and of the people, and uh, and it, it fits him well. So it's a name that that uh, he and his wife came up with when they got married, and uh, I'd say it fits him very well. And um, you know, we're we're happy to have him on board. Okay, nice. Well, a, a great note to close on, Pete. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today, uh, if listeners. 
or interested in ModevCon, they can go to mdc.gomodev.com, I believe is the URL. Or just modev, modevcon.com. Uh, we have a vanity URL available, so modevcon.com, and, and they'll be able to uh, it'll forward them to the site. Okay, great. Thanks again, Pete. Hey, Will, thanks for having me. It's been fun. Absolutely. If you're interested in learning more about Pete Erickson and Modev, you can visit the Modev website at www.gomodev.com. And you can follow Pete on Twitter at at Pete Erickson. That's Erickson with a CK. You can also follow Modev on Twitter at at GoModev. ModevCon will take place Thursday, December 11th and Friday, December 12th at Artisphere in Arlington, Virginia. Tickets and more information on the conference and its speakers are available at www.mdc.gomodev.com. Thanks once again to Pete Erickson for joining us this week for a very special Thanksgiving episode of the Innovation Engine podcast. And thank you for joining us this week. Next week, we'll be letting the Innovation Engine idle in the garage as I'll be over in India for work. But never fear, we'll be back at it again in two weeks when on December 11th, one day earlier than usual, we'll publish a podcast with Dr. Sunil Mitas in conjunction with his book, Dancing Elephants and Leaping Jaguars. Dr. Mitas is a professor at the Robert H. Smith School of Business at the University of Maryland, and we'll be discussing the transformation that India's Tata Group has made over the course of the last two decades. We'll look at some of their processes that you can put in place to ensure that innovation flourishes within your company, and why innovation requires long-term commitment rather than a get-rich-quick mindset. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you in two weeks.